Good morning, you guys. I hope everybody's doing well. You guys doing good? Oh, good. Thanks for letting me know, Dave. Appreciate it. <laughs> good to see you guys today. Uh, I understand it's going to warm up, which is wonderful. It's a little chilly on the scaffolding, though, this morning. So uh, I'll make the announcements quick. And uh, here's what we've got going on. A few things you should know about. Number one, um, you should already know, but uh, one of our long and beloved members passed away this week from COVID. It was Jess Moyer. And uh, so his funeral, this is a sad day for all of us as well, and it's adding grief upon grief because of some other recent uh, funerals that we've had to do uh, together as a congregation. Uh, if you'd like to come and pay your respects and be a part of Jess's funeral service, it'll be here tomorrow, so Monday at 2 p.m., and it's a drive-up service. It will look like this. Uh, we're going to do drive-up only for that one for Jess. Uh, the family didn't want to delay and because of how well loved he is by this congregation and by so many people, wanted to make a way uh, for everybody to be able to come and participate. And so this is what the family decided. So 2 p.m. tomorrow, just like this right here, uh, will be uh, Jess's service. There will also be a, uh, a drive-by, a drive-up sort of pay-your-respects line. So the family uh, and the uh, casket and the hearse and all will be kind of over here. You'll f figure out directions tomorrow when you come, but we'll have the service, and then you'll either be able to kind of exit out the back if you need to and get off to work or whatever you need to for the day, or be able to kind of drive by here and just wave out the car window at the, uh, at the family um, on the way. And then the, the graveside will just be private family matter afterwards, uh, where Jess will be buried out here uh, in Talatha Cemetery uh, next to Carrie. So that's tomorrow at 2 p.m., and I hope you can make it along for it. Um, two other announcements I have for you. One, February 6th, that's a Saturday coming up quick, is uh, sweet Laura Burrow's baby shower. Uh, she is pregnant with baby Burrow number two. And as I mentioned to you guys last Sunday, um, they didn't ask me to say this, but it's just something I know and I want you to know about because it's the kind of people you are. Um, after baby Burrow number one was born, after little Alice was born, uh, there was a friend who was uh, suddenly and su just surprised pregnant uh, and needed a lot of baby things and just didn't have means. And so Laura and Trevor gave a lot of their baby stuff to that family uh, to provide for them. So they're kind of starting fresh here for baby burrow number two. So uh, usually for a second child, it's just diapers and wipes. And you can still bring them diapers and wipes. Uh, but they also registered on Amazon. So you can take a look at Amazon gift registry. Just Google how to do that and you'll find it. Uh, or uh, gift cards, anything that you want to shower them with. It'll be here. You can drive up. They'll either be in the sun or in the shade right about here, and, uh, and you can drop off baby shower gifts that day, uh, February 6th, and that'll be from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Uh, here. And uh, last announcement I have for you today, this is a neat idea that I'm kind of excited about doing. Uh, we wanted to do an all-care day here at the church. Now, a lot of you are really good at caring for and checking in on people. There are a lot of you who are just all the time taking meals to folks, taking baked goods to people, giving them a call and checking in on them. It's incredible the way this church cares for other members in this church, and God bless you all. But what we wanted to do in addition to all that, and don't slow down at all, but what we wanted to do is set aside a day where everyone could go out at the same day and make a delivery to anyone in our church on our list who has need, whether it's uh, shut in or not, uh, just has need one way or another. And so February 7th, that Sunday, will be our All Care Day, or our Love Your Neighbor Day, or our, since we're all going to be making meals for people, I just want to call it the Big Eat. But uh, February 7th, what we'll do is 
after the Sunday worship service. It'll be just like this. But you can drive by, and Deanna, who's coordinating this, has put together uh, on separate cards uh, the name, address, and phone number of somebody who could use a meal or even just some brownies dropped off. And uh, anybody who wants to take one can take one. And then later that afternoon or evening, so even if you cook on Saturday, so you're just ready to drop it off right after church at lunchtime on Sunday, you can take one meal to one person, drop it at their door, and just give them a call and check in on them and say, hey, I dropped you off a meal or just some cookies or brownies or Chick-fil-A, you know, I just, I wanted you to know, I, I wanted to care for you, and so I left something for you to eat there on your porch, and how are you, how are things, and have a conversation with them. So each person, just take one. And, uh, and we'll be able to go and do that. And so everyone, because there's plenty of you who, who would be happy to do that, but you know, haven't, haven't been able to be organized enough to do it or to know who needs it. Well, that day you can take a name, and whether you know them or not, sometime that Sunday afternoon, just go and deliver something nice to, uh, to one of our people who could use it uh, for one reason or another. I think it's a really fun, sweet idea. Uh, so again, whether you pick it up at the store or the drive through window, uh, or make a meal, or make some brownies or cupcakes, whatever it is, just to have dropped something off and cared for some people. It's February, September 7th. What is that, two weeks from now? Two Sundays from now. All right, those are the announcements for today, you guys. Let me say a prayer for us, and uh, let's start worshiping the Lord together. Father God, I pray that you would receive our time together today as worship. I pray that you put your spirit on all of us, I pray that you would lift our hearts. I pray that you would give us strength. Father, I pray that you would receive our time as worship. I pray that as we hear your word today, we would believe it. And that your word would encourage us, would teach us, would rebuke us, would correct us. Whatever is needed, we'll receive it all from you as a blessing. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are, according to the Bible itself, certain central verses. I don't want to say verses that are necessarily more important than other verses, as it is all the Word of God and we're to understand it all together. But the whole of the Bible is pointing towards certain verses as key verses or central verses above some of the other ones. You yourselves may even have for yourself uh, something of a life verse, you know, a verse that we say, this is the one that's important to me or I've staked my life on in a lot of ways. And those are frequently some of the most central verses in the Bible. So I want you to take a moment in your car and if you're alone, think about it. What is one of those verses that is central to Scripture or central to your life? And then if you're in the car with somebody else, go ahead and talk amongst yourself real quick. What is that central verse for you? Go ahead and tell somebody else in the car. What is your central verse or one of those verses that has been central to your faith? Perhaps, if you were sharing with somebody else in the car or just thinking about it by yourself, you might have mentioned a verse like Proverbs chapter 3, 
verse 5 and 6. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. You might have mentioned a verse like the 139th Psalm, Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You might have gone ahead and mentioned John 3.16. And you wouldn't be wrong. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You might have mentioned Jeremiah 29.11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you hope and a future, then you will call on me and come to me in prayer, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with all of your heart, and I will be found by you. Perhaps you would have thought of what we discussed in sermon two weeks ago, Matthew 28, 19, 18 through 20, really, When Jesus said to his disciples, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to be obedient to everything I commanded. And surely I am always with you, even until the end of the age. Was one of your verses on that list? These are awfully popular verses, and for a good reason. It's not to diminish them by their popularity, but to recognize there are certain verses and passages in this Bible that other passages are leading up to, that draw our attention to and focus them to, and that's a part of what we've been doing these last few weeks. Having looked at Matthew 28, 19, this central verse in the gospel of Matthew and focus of Matthew as you believe in Christ and learn about his life here on earth, after Christ rises from the grave, he gives that singular command to his disciples. And that's still the command for everyone who follows Christ. Last week we asked, given the fact that we're to be doing the Great Commission, how do we live with each other? How are we supposed to relate to each other? And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Well, today we're going to look back into the Old Testament to another central verse, central for sure to the book of Moses, that is the first five books of the Bible, but also then in a way central to the whole Old Testament and still reveals to us now who our God is and what we're supposed to be doing in relationship to who our God is. Some of you already know it by this description, what verse is it? that the book of Moses, that the law is pointing towards? How do you put it all together in one verse? Well, you would do well to go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and look at verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. You know that verse that is a bit of a summary of the entire law or a focus on the entire law. What I'm going to read to you for our passage today, though, is chapter 6, starting in verse 1 and going through verse 9. Still a short passage. This is the command, the statutes and the ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to inherit and possess. Do this. 
so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all of his statutes and commands that I give you, your son, your grandson, so that they may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words I am giving you today are to be on your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house. And on the city gates. This is the word of the Lord for us today. What are we supposed to do but to take all of the word of the Lord? This passage, when it says, write these things down, think about them, dwell on them, teach them. It's talking about all of the law that has come before that. Everything that had happened so far in Scripture. And so for us, we who are Christians, are to understand it to mean all of Scripture. But that one way to focus on and understand all of Scripture is this. Hear, O Israel, listen up, is what God says. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, is what this passage says. Three things I want to discuss. First, the Lord is one. Like these other passages we've been talking about, this one gives us both who God is and what we're supposed to do. After all, that's what the Great Commission did, is it not? Go to the nations, make disciples, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's who God is and what we're supposed to be doing. And so here we have it as well. And who God is, according to this passage, is God is One, the Lord God that we have, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is one God. Sometimes talking about God is confusing for us, and that's okay, it's a part of it. After all, God is inherently unknowable to us. This God isn't something we created. It's not something we put together as if God should make sense to us or be comprehensible to us. Brother, this God has said from the beginning that He is greater than we are and beyond our understanding. And even though we might seek to be able to, in a way, conquer this God by having full understanding and knowledge of Him, He will not be conquered by us. How do we know anything about who God is? How do you go about knowing anything about God? It's only by how he reveals himself to us. Let's say today, perhaps, we'll just say perhaps, theoretically. You don't really know anything about God. You haven't been following him. You don't don't really read scripture. You've come along today uh, with family members or as a guest, but you don't really know God and you're saying, I don't really know. You're saying, well, how do you even go about knowing anything about God? 
There's only one way, really, this God who is so beyond and above us. It's if he wants to reveal himself to you. This God will only be known to you if he wants to. If he's a God who reveals himself. And the good news that I have for you today is that this God is a God who wants us to know him and has revealed himself to us. And this is how he's revealed himself to us. Listen up, is what he says. The Lord is one. So, when we read in the New Testament, in John chapter 14, when Jesus says, do not be afraid, don't let your hearts be troubled, believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus also says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know the Father. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him, is what Jesus says. So how does Jesus say, I and the Father are one. If you know me, you know him. And then just a few verses later, Jesus goes to pray to him. Is he talking to himself? We're to understand that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our God, is one, but is three persons. There's no difference in power or authority amongst them. They work together as one God on our behalf. It was true in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's true in John chapter 14. It was true before creation, and it will be true on into eternity. This is what the one God that's real is like. So listen up. Our God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So how will you know God? How do you come to know and have a relationship with this God who is one but three? Who are you even talking to when you go to talk to him? How, would, how is this going to work out? What are the basic ground rules for knowing and understanding him? Well, as we've said, the only way to know God is for him to reveal himself to you. But this God reveals himself to everyone who goes to him. If you're a person who's just not sure right now, if there's a God, who this God is, what he's like, what it would be like to have a relationship, then what you need to do today is this and simply this. Pray to him. Say, I, I just don't know, but I want to know. I'm not sure that I believe, but I'd be happy to believe. But in who? To go to God and say, who are you? Teach me. I want to know. Because everyone who seeks the Lord finds him. And this God will answer that prayer. As we even said in those life verses we read at the beginning, Jeremiah 29 God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Don't let it be in your life that, well, I'll only believe if I can come to understand. But seek him first. And I tell you, the understanding will come. Seek him first and you will know him and you will find him. How will you know God? It's easy. Repent and believe. As we turn away from the sin in our life and the evil that we know we've all done, we come to know God all the more. The more we will repent first and repent now, 
the more we will be able to know him and we will be able to believe. This God of ours says to us, repent and believe over and over again. Scripture calls us repent and believe, and the order is important. Repent, then you'll be able to believe. So come today and turn away from your sins so that you can know who this God is. You want a real concrete example and way that you can know this God? I've got one specific task you can do this week. You ready? Read Jude. (laughs) Did you catch the pastor show this week? It's silly, but I hope it's a silliness that's a helpful silliness to you, all right? Uh, It's coming out again this next Wednesday. Trevor and I will film a quick uh, episode of what we're calling the pastor show for lack of a better name. I wanted Wayne's World, but that just didn't fit for us. Uh, At least one of you sent me some good ideas for other names, and we'll come up with a better one maybe in time. For now, we'll put out a video to go out in the newsletter. It's on our church's YouTube page, but there it is. And one of the things that Trevor and I will give you each week is a resource that you can read, a song you can sing along with, some kind of resource you can look at. But also what we'll give is a spiritual activity that everyone who wants to, we can practice together even though we're separate. And the spiritual activity that Trevor gave us this past week was to read Jude. And we worked on a theme song for that, <laughs> to, the, to the lyrics of Hey Jude. But read Jude, read in Scripture. After all, this God, if you want to know Him, well, He's spoken to us, and reading Scripture will be the way to do it. Sometimes reading Scripture again and again. You're going to go read Jude, which is only, it's less than 30 verses. It's really short, the whole letter. It won't take but a few minutes to read it all. There's some odd things in there, and you'll say, I, I'm sorry, what about the Archangel Michael? What, what about the body of Moses? What exactly is going on? I'll send out an email explaining some of that to you on Monday, perhaps. Uh, but it's a short passage, and yet it will under-teach us what this God wants from us and who this God is. Another neat idea is simply devoting all of our life in prayer to Him. This has been a long uh, process of people who are trying to devote every moment of their life to Him and pray throughout it. Uh, There's a book called Every Moment Holy, which was just written in the last few years, and it's little liturgical prayers for every moment of our day, this author gives us. The book's called Every Moment Holy. And one prayer that he writes in his little prayer book for the normal every day of our life so that we can be constantly seeking the Lord in all things is he writes a coffee prayer, a prayer that you can pray while fixing your coffee in the morning. And it's real short, but this is what it is. He says, as you're making your cup of coffee, meet me, O Christ, in the stillness of the morning. Move me, O Spirit, to the quiet of my heart. And mend me, O Father, from yesterday's harm. Just a little bit of a prayer to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to seek God even in your coffee routine. It's an interesting idea, isn't it? Small prayers, little things that you can say and just seeking God in every moment. Perhaps that will be a good thing for you as you're making a cup of coffee. It'll be difficult for me. If your morning routine is anything like mine where my cup of coffee is fixed to be drinking while I am driving the kids and picking up the other kids in the neighborhood to school in the morning. So I'm fixing my cup of coffee going, which one do you want? Peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese? Which one? Peanut butter and jelly. Answer me, child. Peanut butter and jelly or ham and cheese? Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. Put your shoes on. That's what's going on while I'm making my cup of coffee in the morning. It's hard to focus on praying to God in the midst of that chaos. 
Perhaps that was too real for some of you and it gives you a little bit of a coffee time routine PTSD. (laughs) But even in the busyness of our life, whichever moment is busy, whether it's that one or another one, let us seek the Lord even in those moments as much as we can to say, Dear Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Dear One God, help me to quiet my heart to seek You. Help me to say, Lord, who is one, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength, so teach me how to do it. The first thing you need to know today is that the Lord is one, and he will teach you more about himself as you seek him. So step one is not to know him so that you can seek him, but step one is to seek him, and then you will come to know him. Repent so that you can believe and follow after him. The second thing from our passage that you need to know about this about God is this. One way to understand this, and awfully popular amongst Bible translations, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You know, another way to understand that one in Hebrew is the Lord only. It could just as reasonably be translated, and if you look at some translations, they'll say, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord only. The idea being not just that the Lord is one, which is true, but also that we're making a commitment as we say this. And the commitment that we're making is the Lord only, no one else. It is to cry out to Israel in that passage or to us and say, Hear, O congregation, the Lord our God, the Lord only, no one else, just Him. That's the one we're worshiping, the Lord only. Regardless how you translate that first verse, the second one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, absolutely communicates that clearly, this the Lord onlyness. The Lord only. The Lord completely. And while we're not really separate parts, although we have parts to us, the idea is love the Lord your God with all of yourself. Everything that you are, any peace that you have, Heart, mind, soul, strength, body, hands, nose, all of it. Love the Lord your God with the whole of yourself, with every piece and every part. The Lord only, the Lord completely. Israel had a problem. And the problem was they wanted to be devoted and worshiping God the way he called them to, burning sacrifices, burning incense, uh, following the dietary laws, following the clothing laws that were given. But they also wanted to worship other gods. And it happened again and again that what Israel would do is that they would go and do all that God required and burn incense and offer sacrifices to him. And then they would also, to kind of hedge their bets, Go and make offerings to other, and sacrifices to other gods, the gods of their neighbors, the gods that were made up. And quickly, the one true God would just become one amongst many in their own personal pantheon. It's not just Israel, it happens to every single one of us that we might have a spiritual moment and say, you know what, I believe. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is Lord. I'm going to follow after Jesus all my life. And then what's played out in the rest of our life is the acknowledgement of Jesus, but also the worship of many other things and the following after of many other things. 
There's an illustration about this from Scripture when God sends the prophet Hosea in the book of Hosea to marry a prostitute. Now, God requires a lot of interesting things from all of his uh, prophets in the Old Testament. Go see especially Ezekiel. But God requires Hosea to do is he says, go out and you're going to find in the streets this prostitute named Gomer and you're going to purchase her and redeem her and bring her home and marry her as your wife. And you're supposed to understand that Hosea, a prophet of God, a respectable man in the community, should not be doing this. It's awful for his reputation. It's shocking. And yet, you know what? Hosea does what God calls him to do. They have children together. But then after a while, she goes back to her old life. She goes back to the street and she goes back to other men. And Hosea cries out to God, why have you made me do this? And God's answer to Hosea is this. Here's what you're going to do, Hosea. Go back out into the street and find Gomer again. Redeem her again, purchase her for whatever price, and bring her back home and make her your wife again. To which you should imagine Hosea saying, what in the world? Why am I doing this? Why would I continue to have to accept somebody who continues to take themselves out and be unfaithful to me? And God's answer is, this is exactly what it is like with Israel worshiping me. I continue to redeem these people and they continue to go to other gods and be unfaithful. It's a powerful illustration for all of us. All of us who have said Jesus is Lord and then fallen into old sins. Trusting other gods, worshiping other things, doing whatever it takes, sinful or not, in order to get whatever blessing we want from whatever other activity it is in our life. We are to worship the Lord only and completely. There will be no other gods. If Jesus is the way for us in our life, then there will be no other paths. If Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and we say, yes, Jesus, you are my way, except these other times when I want to follow another path. Yes, Jesus, you are the truth, except for these other times when I want to believe something else that's more convenient for me. Yes, Jesus, you are the life, except these other lives that I want to live sometimes. Then we've not said Jesus is Lord, not truly. Hear, O congregation, the Lord our God, the Lord only, the Lord completely for us. To say Jesus is Lord is to say Jesus is my only Lord, always. A good way to evaluate your life on this is to go to the funeral of a saint, which we have unfortunately had the opportunity to do this past week in our friend Jake Robinson and also this next week in our friend Jess Moyer. Because even as we go to the funeral of someone who trusted and believed, even it was hard and trusted and believed for a long time, someone who said Jesus is Lord and we got to actually watch and see if that was going to be true or not in their life, it turns our attention to our own life. What will it be like at your funeral if you were to die today? Will it be the sort of thing where people know and you know that I said Jesus is Lord and I meant it 
and I was faithful to Jesus as Lord all of my life, Jesus completely, Jesus only? Or will it be the sort of funeral where someone's trying to tell the preacher, well, you know, I know how they lived, but one time back at camp they made a commitment to Christ. And, and I, I mean, I know they hadn't actually, they've been following other ways, but they had said Jesus would be the way. Take a moment and evaluate your life in that context. And make a commitment today. This is what it is to be a Christian, to make a commitment today and say, I have done wrong. I've followed many ways. I've pursued many truths. I've tried to live many lives. But from this day forward, Jesus, Jesus, you are, you are my Lord. You are my truth. You are my way. You are my life. The Lord God, the Lord only, the Lord completely for me. That's what it means to be in Christ. So hear, congregation, that the Lord is one and the Lord only. And finally, what we're to know from this passage is that we are to fear the Lord only. This fearing God thing, it's hard to reconcile with our loving God? How are we supposed to fear God and love God at the same time? Is God our blessed hope? Is the gospel this good news that causes us to rejoice? Or if it's fearing Him, then is the gospel some kind of nightmare for us that we should be shackled under the way of Christ? The answer is, if you're actually properly, rightly, and completely fearing the Lord then you're also the person who's actually rightly and completely receiving the love and blessing of the Lord. To fear God is to know God and to love God. What the passage means, what the idea of fearing the Lord means, is that every day in our lives we're going to fall into a situation, every week in our lives there will be a choice that we can make of whether we will fear the world and the consequences that the world promises if we don't do what they say, or that we can fear the Lord. And that's what it means to fear the Lord, is to fear the Lord and not the world. To follow the commandments of the Lord and not the commandments of the world. There's always going to be for each of us social pressure. We're always going to have to deal with the fear of being ostracized, of being cast out. We will, all of us in our lives have a moment where we are afraid to look weak, where we are afraid of losing social credibility, where we're afraid of losing empowerment, where we're afraid of what people will think, or where we're afraid of actual financial loss or cultural loss. And this isn't just for middle schoolers, this idea of being ostracized if you believe something different. It happens in all of our lives at every age and phase in our lives. That we might be kicked out or removed or simply no longer asked to participate. But don't be afraid of that. Fear the Lord only and trust Him only is what we're supposed to do. A couple years ago, uh, I got to work for a neat organization uh, that 
uh, provides lodging and transportation and everything for uh, wealthy clients who want to go to the masters. And the organization I was working for is fantastic. But the clients, of course, the people who have money in the businesses and business partners who pay for that sort of thing to be lodged and to get tickets and transportation for the masters, they're all kinds. I mean, I drove around all sorts. It was the most colorful week. I had a great time. I never knew who was about to get in this van. And so some people asked me what I did, and I said, oh, I'm, they're like, what's your day job when you're not doing this this week? <laughs> I pastor a church. And some people go, really, what church? Tell me about it. I go to this church. That's fascinating. And some people go, oh, and it was dead silent <laughs> for the rest of the car ride. As you like, I'll still drive you. <laughs> One group who didn't ask and didn't care, and I was just the driver a particularly powerful and wealthy executive that I was driving around, I was told, hey, make sure you take care of just this client and his party the whole day. You're with them. Never leave them. This is one of the wealthy executives and his guests and people who work with him. The most fascinating thing happened where this wealthy executive, as they were driving around, started to belittle one of his managers for holding the wrong political opinion about something, specifically whether or not marriage was between a man or a woman or not. And I heard that upper management guy say, you're right, you're right, you know, I don't really care about it all that much. It is what it is. People can do whatever they want. And I sat there and listened to these guys in their 60s, berating and belittling each other, this manager exercising his authority in order to demand that this other one fall in line based on business, economic, and even social pressure. And I thought for a minute, are we back in middle school? What is this about? Yeah, it's a billion-dollar company, but who wants that job? Do not fear the world, the pressure, it will come to you like it came to Daniel, like it came to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But fear the Lord only and keep his commands only. That pressure will come to each and every one of us, but we must not give in to it. With the chaos of this past year, with the difficulties going on, with the wild amount of narratives, stories, and things that are pitched as truth online and from very media, various media outlets, with all the politics, with all the lies, it's real, real easy for us to start falling to fear of the world and justifying the way we're going to talk and act based on fear of the world. But listen, in the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all of this uncertainty, in the midst of all of this honest fear about our nation or politics, we must fear the Lord only. We cannot start talking or acting in evil, spiteful ways because we're afraid of other things. It will not do. We must fear the Lord only and act and speak in the way that he has called us to, no matter how difficult things get. Will your fear of rising gas prices turn your mouth to cursing 
when your mouth is made for blessing? Will your fear of a liberalizing culture cause you to flee into small cultural bunkers when the command of God was to witness joyfully into a hostile world? Do not fear those things, but fear the Lord only. The most powerful passage about this comes from Isaiah. The people of Israel are afraid of a nation that is coming at their borders. They're afraid of the Assyrians and how the Assyrians are to conquer them. But God gives a special word to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. This is what the Lord said to me with great power to keep me from going the way of the rest of the people. Isaiah says, God said this to me because all of Israel was rebelling against God and disbelieving him and going and worshiping other gods and not following God's command because they were so afraid of the foreign nation that was coming at them. This is what God said to me with great power to keep me from going that way. Do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. And if you do, what will happen? God says, if you do, then he will be a sanctuary. But for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stumbling block to stumble over, a rock to trip over, a trap and a snare for the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They fear the nations, and they're going to trip over the Lord. But not you. Don't call conspiracy all that they call conspiracy, and don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. But fear the Lord only, and he will be a sanctuary to you. Many will stumble over these they will fall and be broken. They will be a snare and ca- be captured. But you bind up this testimony. Seal up the instruction among my disciples. And then in verse 17, Isaiah makes a commitment. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will wait for the Lord. No matter what goes on in our time, in our days, this week, Let us fear the Lord only. Dear congregation, don't fear everything that they fear. And don't worry about everything that they worry. And don't let the fear of loss from the world cause you to abandon what God has commanded you to do. But fear the Lord only and keep only His commandments. The conclusion of our passage today is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Hear, O congregation, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord only and completely. And let us fear the Lord only. Seek the Lord today and know Know the Lord because He wants you to know Him. You will find Him, but only if you seek Him. Promise yourself only to God today. And fear the Lord only. Because He will be a sanctuary. 
He will be a delight and a joy. He will be the forgiveness of sins and the coming salvation to everyone who fears him only and completely. Let us cry out to the Lord today that the Lord is one, the Lord only and completely, and that we will fear the Lord alone and no one, no one else. Father God, I thank you that you are so patient with us who have turned from you and been sinners. I thank you that no matter how much we turn, you'll receive us when we come back to you. Father, give these people the strength today to seek you with all of their heart. For those who haven't been seeking you, encourage their hearts that they would seek you completely and wholly now. And for everyone who seeks you, Father, I pray that you would be found by them that you would be near to them, that you would come to them palpably in their lives. Help us to trust you and obey you and love you and fear you. Father God, be a sanctuary to us all the days of our lives. This I pray by the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen.